0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Genesis Care, national independent cancer care provider and experts in breast health, diagnostics and treatments. Hello,
1: welcome to And Then Came Breast Cancer, the podcast for everyone whose life has been touched by the disease. I'm Victoria Derbyshire. I'm a journalist and a broadcaster and a mum and a wife. And my world changed in 2015 when I was diagnosed. I lent on my friends, my family, and of course, the nurses and surgeons who ultimately saved my life. The Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity believes that no one should face this condition on their own and wanted to create a podcast series which would be there 24 hours a day for those dark what-am-I-going-to-do moments when your life gets changed too an honest friend, not just for you, but for your own family and friends who are also looking for guidance, support and answers. Now we've built up a podcast library where we've talked about things like fear and friendship and faith. We've looked at the latest medical advances. We've had really frank conversations about wigs and reconstruction surgery, relationships and coal caps. We've had tears and we have also had laughs. We also won a British Podcast Gold Award for services to the breast cancer community. But there is so much more to talk about on how this disease affects your body and your mind. So welcome to the third series of our podcast. And today we are talking about cancer and the BRCA genes. What happens when you find out that because of a genetic fault, you can increase the chances of your own children developing breast cancer? And other cancers, in fact. I have some incredible guests with me, as always. And it is our tradition to ask them to introduce themselves. Hello.
0: Hi, my name is Perm Kaur and I'm here with my two daughters today to discuss our experience with cancer. Hi, my name is Benicia. So I was 33 when I was
2: diagnosed last year. Um, I was actually planning on doing a sabbatical and travelling around South America. Um, However, obviously that didn't happen. Um, I do love to hike and dance. I have a bit of a dark sense of humour. And so I'm looking forward to being able to do those things again as well.
1: And you are Perm's older daughter. Yeah,
2: I'm the oldest daughter, yeah. Yeah. The shortest, but the oldest. Okay,
3: (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Hi, I'm Benicia's sister, the best daughter, as would say. <laughs> uh, I'm the family housekeeper sometimes, IT support, I work in finance. And yeah, I haven't actually been tested for the BRCA gene yet. So I should disclose that before we stop. And Cash, how old are you? I'm 29.
4: Um, my name's Daryl. I'm also the favourite child in my family. I'm 28 and I got diagnosed with the BRCA1 positive gene last year.
1: Welcome all of you to this new series of our podcast and we're going to hear your stories we're going to talk quite a bit about mums yes we're going to talk about faulty genes in a moment or two but we've all inherited some amazing things from our mums let's be honest so I'm going to ask you what you think you've got from your mum that's a characteristic that you love
0: my mum taught me how to live really, because um, she's fought cancer three times. And every time afterwards, she was still like, had the umph to get up and go. And she just loved life. And she was an amazing cook. And I think she taught me that, yes, we have those bad days. But you know what, look what we have, you know, we've got each other. And it's okay, it's going to be okay. She was very, um, I would say very positive on her outlook, but very stubborn. Okay. But I've got that stubborn gene, apparently. <laughs>
3: um, I think, from, from my mum, who's sitting right next to me, so I need to say something nice. <laughs> you don't have to. We're an honest <laughs> no, podcast. No. Um, I think it's it's kindness, even when you're going through your worst days. So I know, like, my mum, when she was going through chemo, if she saw someone else crying, she would still reach out and try and help them. And it's like, even when no one else is watching, wanting to to help other people... And make them feel a bit better in any way that she can. So it's just kind of kindness, even when you're going through your worst moments.
2: I would say probably resilience from my mum. And actually, I would also say from my sister as well. And um, kind of the mindset, you know, even though you're diagnosed, say, with cancer and it's really, really scary, you you have control of your attitude and how you deal with those things. And I think I've got that from my mum and sister and actually also my dad as Mm. well. So... I think that's been really important. What would you say, Daryl?
4: I'm really much like my dad. Um, looks wise, um, but genetics wise, I'm pretty much bang on with my mum. I think from her, I have probably got her sense of humour. Um, and throughout this journey, I think her strength, actually.
1: Thank you for that. I'm going to explain what the BRCA gene is. and This is a straightforward description, which we've taken from the Macmillan website. Your body is made up of tiny building blocks called cells. Inside every cell is a set of genes. These genes are the instructions the cell needs to work properly. BRCA1 and BRCA2 are two genes that everyone has. Sometimes the structure inside a gene is permanently changed. This means the gene no longer gives the correct instructions. This change is called a gene mutation. The BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes normally protect us from breast and ovarian cancer. A mutation in one of these genes means that protection is lost. Over time, this may mean cancers are more likely to develop. The risk is highest for breast cancer in women, but it's also higher than average for ovarian and prostate cancer, breast cancer in men and pancreatic cancer a BRCA1 or BRCA2 mutation may be found by a genetic blood test. And if genetic testing shows you have a BRCA1 or BRCA2 mutation, this does not mean you will definitely get cancer. Now, I'm just going to throw this out to all of you. How many or how much did any of you know about any of that before it directly affected your lives?
0: Um, I had no idea because although um, I come from the South Indian community, we don't really talk about anything like this and although my uncles and some of my aunts in the you know like my mom didn't go have a test and um, when I was diagnosed my doctor gave me antibiotics thinking it was a cyst even though he had my history and then I've got a very close friend who works for bees, who worked for cancer mm. and she checked and she says you need a second opinion and by then it had already gone into my lymph nodes so If she hadn't, you know, I would have just ignored it, Mm. to tell you the truth. I wouldn't have even thought about it. And it was my oncologist who wrote so many letters. and was adamant that my girls should be tested and our son. Right. To be honest, um,
2: I'd only really heard about it in relation to Angelina Jolie. (laughs) Um, you know, I, heard, I think that's
1: true of so many yeah, people
2: so I'd heard about it and that she elected to get a mastectomy because I think her own mother had died of cancer so um, and she would found that she had the BRCA gene um, so that's the first that I'd really heard about it mm. um, and then my mum's oncologist suggested that she get tested for BRCA, um, BRCA 2 um, and she ended up having it and then I got tested and to be honest I thought, oh, maybe I'll have it, but I won't have to worry about cancer until, what, my 50s or 60s. So I ended up finding out I had the BRCA2 gene, and they sent me for a mammogram, and that's when they found the cancer. So actually, for me, getting tested saved my life.
3: I, I guess I heard of it through, through my mum and my grandma, really. Uh, if my grandma, I think she obviously had the BRCA2 gene, I think it affects like 0.2% of the population. So you're not really going to hear about it unless you're searching for the answer or going to your doctor.
4: I'm kind of the same. I'd heard about Angelina Jolie, but yeah, I didn't really know massive amounts of information. Mm. I've got quite a strong history of cancer in my family also, and and none of us were still aware. It wasn't until my mum got diagnosed with ovarian cancer at 49 did we find out what it was until she got tested and then, you know, we all got tested as well, so.
1: Can we talk about that decision to opt to have the test? Because some of you did and some of you haven't.
3: Yeah, so I I haven't had the test. Um, I guess I've had about a year to get it done and the two women beside me have been, you know, encouraging me, pushing me to kind of get it done. I guess... It's, it's hard to understand why you would delay something that has such a big impact. And I think sometimes, um, I guess one, it impacts like a, a lot of areas of your life, right? Like one area is kind of like your motivations. If you know you have this thing, it might change how you live your life. I think it, it also impacts like your romantic relationships because you know, it changes not only how you're living, but also whether you want to have kids and what you pass on to them. And then I think it also impacts like how you think about yourself You know, like it's like genes are such a fundamental ingredient of who we are. And it's something you can't really control if you say, oh, you've got this gene. And so it's it's quite an uncontrollable element. So that was kind of preventing me. Those three things like romantic relationships, you know, feeling like it will change who I am, my motivations in life. But I think now I realize the uncertainty is worse than the certainty of knowing and then being able to take action. And I think the uncertainty actually has more adverse psychological impacts because you kind of think of about the extreme consequences, which you have probably have seen if you have the BRCA gene, right? You'll have other members who've gone through something similar. So I think now I am definitely want to get tested. And I, I have gone through like a few breast screenings and um, to look at that kind of prevention method. But mm-hmm. I think it's more just once you know, you kind of have to change how you think about yourself and like family planning and whether you give that to your kids. And I think that's kind of what's prevented me.
1: So have you made the decision, Cash, to have the blood test?
3: I have, yeah. Um and so I'm kind of going through then just a long process, okay. but I have made that decision, yeah. Right.
1: And what do you think Perm is Cash's mum about that decision? And the and the and the the time that it's taken Cash to sort of process and reach the decision she had. I
0: think um for me, I feel like it saved Benicia's life and it saved my life, and I feel like um, um I think it's important that we know because then it's preventable. Do you know it's, it's like I feel scared that if we don't catch it soon, you know it could like mines was a fast spreading. And Benicia's gone into a lymph node. So it just feels like I want her to be okay because they're my babies. You want your kids to be okay. That's all you want as a mum.
1: Benicia, how, how long did it take you to decide, yeah, I'm having this blood test?
2: I decided quite quickly, um, which is unlike me when it comes to admin, especially life admin. Sometimes <laughs> I can delay that and I can procrastinate. But for me, I but just wanted. But you know what? This te- is
1: life and death
2: exactly admin isn't it yeah it it is and I think for me I would rather know and even around things like my fertility as well I'd rather have the information and then make the decision Um, and I had a really good genetic counsellor who spoke to me before I had the test to just say you know the pros and cons of knowing uh, and gave me some information about the percentages as well but I'll be honest when I had the test I thought oh it would be helpful to know but I didn't think you know, that I was going to get cancer at 33. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was going to identify that. I thought, you know, it just meant I was more likely to get it in my 50s and 60s, you know, similar to, say, my mom. But um, I am happy. I am happy that I got tested because... I didn't find my cancer through a lump or you know some kind of discoloration or whatever it was with the breasts. Mm. I found it through screening. Through yeah, through screening which I wouldn't have had access if I hadn't had that genetic test. So for me, I would really encourage people if you have cancer that is so prevalent in your family to actually push and advocate for yourself and get get that genetic test if mm-hmm. you can. Um, but I, I'm also relieved my sister got it because you know it's it's my younger sister. You know, I just want to make sure that she's okay. So for me, I'm yeah, I'm relieved. But I understand she needed that time, and I think everyone's different.
1: Uh, Benicia, you've got you had tears in your eyes. poem, you had tears in your eyes when you're both talking about your daughter and your sister because because the protective thing kicks in, doesn't it?
0: And she's like our.
3: She's a really great person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> if there's anyone else that I She's remember. very solid, do you know what I mean? And uh, very she? modest as well. <laughs> yeah,
3: <very laughs> modest. You need her.
0: We, well, the thing is, we do need her. Yeah. Without her, you know, things, things happen. Right. If you want something to happen, she gets it done. Okay.
1: Daryl, what about yourself and your own experience?
4: I didn't really second-guess it. I was really firm from the get-go that when it was an option to me, I would 100% take it. I think it is important for me to be honest, though, and say that I was completely naive. Um, I was like, I'm going to have this test, and it's not going to change the way that I live my life. But, you know, I think I was 27 when I had the test, and I was in the middle of my mum's really aggressive, chemotherapy at the time and I was like yeah sure I'm just going to find out and live my life and everything changed when those results come back and I just I didn't realize the impact it would actually have on me um, and out of my three siblings so I have an older sister and younger brother and out of my three siblings I was the only one that came back positive both of them were negative So I think again, even then, it was it felt even more intense because unlike you guys, I was on my own with my my siblings finding out. So I think that was quite difficult at times. I felt it was kind of bittersweet. I felt really happy for them, but also alone. I guess. Mm.
1: I wonder what you would say, Daryl, to Cash, who has now made this decision. And we don't know what what the test will come back to say. I mean, you know, ca- yeah. Cash could be like her sister, her mum. You, Cash could be like one of your siblings.
4: Yeah, I just, I just think you have to make the decision. It's it's a heavy burden to carry when you find out. It really is, and I, for weeks and months, it was the first thing I thought about when I woke up, and it was the last thing on my mind when I went to sleep. And it, it is heavy, but you have to, you know, you have to do it for you. you. You can't do it out of, you know, because someone else wants to find out. And But also you can't find out out of fear either. I think that's really important. You know, you have to make the decision as level-headed as you can. I know that, you know, cancer really heightens emotions. And I just think you ha- it has to be for you and, and no one else, I guess. And and you just have to be prepared to, you know, know that things are going to change, but also things are actually going to be all right. You know, it's not all doom and gloom when you do find out, but it is. it does change your mindset completely about plans. It affects your children. It affects relationships. So, but I just think you have to just do what's right for you.
3: Actually, yeah, when I went to the GP and they were like kind of, doing the test it was interesting how she said to me oh regardless of the result there's loads of tools that you have and that was interesting because it's actually like it gives you a sense of certainty and comfort what do you mean there's loads of tools that you have there are loads of screenings right. at least you know kind of like statistically what's going to happen I think and that in a way like you don't mind facing the worst because the NHS is just amazing in that regard mm. and so actually as soon as you get the test you kind of feel better Like, well, I felt a sense of relief straight away. And that was interesting because I thought, oh, now I actually have a clear path of how I can mitigate this. So have you been for the test? Yes, I have been for the test, but I unfortunately haven't had the result yet. So I'm kind of in a bit of a limbo right now.
0: So when did you go for the test? A few weeks ago. Oh. So you didn't know? No, no idea. I thought she just, she wasn't getting it done. I had no idea. Because
3: I realised, I think, the uncertainty was causing so much stress. Mm. um, And obviously the last year has been so much with three separate family members, so I finally had the time. Okay. Um, And also, I think it relieves stress on other people who also have the BRCA gene. They want that certainty as well. Sure. Yeah. And how do you react to
1: that, Benicia?
2: Honestly, I had anxiety about the fact that she hadn't gone for the test and i would send her these texts and i shouldn't tell her this but i also did reach out to her boyfriend to say look can you encourage um and he's lovely um so i feel that anxiety is gone actually now that i know that she's gone and had the test because that's my little sister and i'd rather know and then if she does have it Mm. you know then we can kind of help her through that. If she doesn't, then fantastic, you know. You could
3: have just bribed me with cake or something. <laughs>
0: <Being faster. laughs> More like a chocolate bar, actually, yeah. or a coffee, really.
1: I'm interested, Cash, in the... I mean, I think I know what you're going to say, but obviously, let me ask you, I'm interested in that you didn't say to the family, I'm going for the test tomorrow, or I've been for the test today. Why?
3: I think it causes anxiety... The limbo of you don't know yet. And similar to when my sister was first diagnosed, she only shared it with my dad, not my mom and the rest of the family, because it's sometimes almost easier to share it when you know the exact result. Mm -hmm. Um, Similar to like, it's easier to plan your life when you know you've had the BRCA gene, because then you can make way more informed decisions. So I I think generally that's an easier stance Mm. to take. Um, And how do you feel now you have
1: been for the test and are waiting for the results?
3: It's very freeing. but I th- Is it? It's very freeing. But wow. I think one thing that changes is, I mean, genes are like your basic ingredients. And I think they, they do change how you think about yourself. And I think that impact is so different depending on your age. So if you're in a relationship, it's a lot easier than if you're not in a relationship. And if you've had kids already, it's almost easier because you've already made that decision without being informed about the impact of your of your genes on those kids. So... I feel like for me, at at my age, um, it has uh, very different implications compared to someone in their 30s or 40s or 50s. And now I can make, I can change everything I'm doing. So, you know, not taking birth control and increasing my hormones, not eating certain foods, making sure I'm exercising every day. You can kind of, yeah, you can work within the constraints and you feel more empowered.
1: And did you intend to to Reveal this to your sister and your mum today. Did it
3: just come out?: It just came out, I think yeah. okay.
0: I think we're, I think I'm relieved to tell you the truth, because mm-hmm. it means that whatever the results are, we'll deal with it.
3: Yeah exactly.:
0: I think it's a bit of a um, shock. Mm, yeah. Because we've been, well, I I've have, been I, nagging. I haven't had to nag because Benicia's done it for right. me.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got told off for nagging. I got told just leave her to it. Mm. You yeah. know, mm. and then it was six months, and then it was a year, and I was like, oh god, when is she going to do
0: it?
3: Mm.
2: And so I had to take a step back and let her make that decision herself. But I think your
0: dad and I talked about it, and we thought it's a decision that you have to make because my cancer journey is my cancer journey. 100%. Benicia's cancer journey is her journey. And Cash's outlook on life is her journey. And I think as I grew up I felt like I was always told what I should do, could do or be a certain way. And I think for me, I think for my for me it's very important that my children and after and are independent and they think for themselves. And I think their dad has always encouraged that within them.
4: I think the the genetics team as well, you know, throughout the process. And I think it's really important to highlight the fact that nothing, you don't have to do anything and everything is voluntary. You can have the initial conversation with the genetics team before you have the test, they run you through everything. And then when you get your results back, they check on you week in week out and you know, they're always at the end of the phone and you know, even preventative message, mes- methods from when you do get a positive or negative test, like you don't have to do any of it. You can just find out the result, whether you're positive. Like If you're positive, you can find out the result and not actually action anything. They mm. just can tell you that there are screenings, like you say, in place and you don't actually have to action anything. So I think it's really important for people to know that there are options at every single stage of the way, options through to screenings, through to preventative surgeries. There is a lot out there. So I think, yeah, it's kind of you can't just live in fear of it.
2: Mm-hmm. Can I ask, sorry, can I ask Daryl a question? Um, you mentioned the impacts on you from knowing the results. I would just be interested if you're comfortable just what those impacts were.
4: Yeah, I just, I mean, I've never really massively been in a rush to have a family. And I think, you know, you guys know, but it you question everything. It's like, right, I've always been kind of married, then family, but also I'm really career orientated as well, hence why I'm at work. But it's just, you it, you just question everything because I just, I didn't, you kind of like have to put a plan together and be like, okay, well, for, for me to not have positive gene children I need to have a lot of I I need to have IVF but how many cycles is that going to take me and then it's like well do you kind of freeze your eggs and where are you at in your relationship and also that also affects your job as well and it's like where do you factor in all of that information like that time and Surgery is, you know, you have to have a good six weeks off minimum to sit at home and do nothing. You have to kind of factor that in. It really just shifts everything. Um, but again, like, it, it, you know, it's not negative. It's just kind of something to be aware of, I guess. Mm.
2: What
1: about you, Benicia, in terms of the impact on you with, with the kind of things that Daryl has raised there?
2: Yeah, I. Yeah, I had to... So because I was diagnosed at 33, um, I hadn't thought about freezing my eggs before. Um, So I ended up having fertility treatment, but it was after I had a mastectomy and lymph node surgery. And my body was just not, I felt like it was not in a good condition. So I ended up having two rounds and only got six eggs right.
1: so so they were harvesting your eggs yeah harvesting
2: my eggs yeah um and I found that part quite tough as well because it's a lot of injections your hormones my dad my dad would say it's like PMS times 100 mm, it's really <laughs> um, stressful it is very stressful and he was very patient um and I've always wanted kids I've always wanted to be mom that's the one thing in my life I was always very clear about um I was always I was always being quite open in terms of how I would have kids, whether that was like adoption or fostering or my own kids. But it just felt like the decision was taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And um I did actually also consider, you know, where whether I would have like embryos and, you know, for kind of sperm donate donations. And at this point it just didn't feel like the right decision for me. And I actually spoke to my sister, I spoke to Cash and the reason I want kids it's not all biological so I was like okay as long as I can have kids in some form that's really important to me Um, but yeah it does feel like it does take away a lot of your choice and kind of like Daryl said you have to be thinking about these things even in terms of meeting someone and if I'm brutally honest I do kind of wonder okay is this going to impact me in terms of meeting someone and having to mention not only the BRCA gene but you know I've had cancer and I've I've changed a lot even in terms of you know I, I've put on weight I've like my hair's gone from really long to short like I lost my eyelashes it's a, it it feels quite daunting even thinking about meeting someone forget like having kids it, so yeah it's it definitely makes you have to put that a lot more forward thinking maybe yeah yeah
1: and perm as Banisha's mum, when you hear her talk like that about her future and her future family and what that might look like, how do you feel?
0: I feel sad for her because I feel like um, it's very hard. Um, in the old days, you know, you go out and you meet people and you get, now we have apps for everything. And it's so st- st- sterile 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 yeah and um and to me yeah she's gonna she will be a great mom and for me it doesn't matter how you know if she wants to have a baby you know in the future she has children in her life mm. for us it doesn't matter how they come they'll be our grandchildren for us we just want i just want her to be happy And I'm glad she's alive, you know, I'm just glad that my girl's okay, Mm. you know, to me, that's the most important thing. I don't really, um, I feel like all I can do is give her big hugs and tell her it's going to be okay and we're always going to be here, you know, you know, we'll never leave her, you know. Mm.
1: You're all right, Benicia.
0: Yeah, I think it's
2: just. I um, so, just. So I feel up. a bit emotional.
1: No, no, I it's think it's completely just, understandable, and yeah, there is no need to apologise. I think
2: it's, you know, I think everyone wants kind of compas- a companion, you know, and, you know, I mean, we grew up on these like Disney movies, and like you know, you think you're going to meet someone, get married, and have kids, and um, I think it's just also having to manage your expectations and realise your life is not going to be as you thought it would be, but that doesn't mean it can't be, like, wonderful and incredible. And I think, you know, one of the things that I found through getting cancer is I found future dreams, Mm. and I've had so many people come into my life, and there's been such a community, and that was not something that I expected from cancer. So I think in the same way, maybe this is also something which will filter certain people out, you know, and... I'll end up with whoever I'm going to be with you know and hopefully they will see this as just something that makes me a bit more resilient yeah so yeah
1: Daryl you talked about the the impact on you when you when it came to fertility and having children can I ask you what decisions you have made
4: so I have currently made no decisions okay Um, sometimes doing nothing (laughs) is good Yeah, I just, in my mind, I mean, it's hard. You know, as women, we have a biological clock also to add pressure to everything else. Um, And so there's a thing called PGD, um, which essentially is, so it's IBS, but basically what they do is they go in and they take the BRCA gene out, mutated BRCA gene out. So it means that as positive carriers, we will never pass it on to our children. So, if I have a child, I have 50, the chance of that child having a BRCA gene is fifty percent. Yeah, from one positive parent. So, I as and when the time comes, I will have PGD. Um, but at the minute, I'm just not ready. I did think about it, and it does kind of, you know, because IVF. PGD, there is a time frame and there is obviously a waiting list and you know there's other women out there that you know want to have this as well again it's that it's that time scale it's that biological clock versus how long it's actually going to take for the procedure to happen um and it's kind of weighing those up and it i think it's really hard actually because you kind of i did this sit and i my mum had the conversation and i and she was like well you know do you not think that that's, you know, you should get moving and do it now? And I just was like, I'm just not going to conform to the pressure and to the fear of it. Like if it, for me, if it doesn't happen and it, the time doesn't feel right, then I'm just not going to do it. But I understand that some people can get caught up in in the pressure of it all and kind of rush to make the decisions, which absolutely, but for me, I was just like, I'm not ready. It's on the back burner. Um, I've been in a long-term relationship for nearly 10 years now. And still, even then I'm just like, it's just not my time. Mm -hmm. And I'm all right with that. And I know that, you know, everyone's like, you know, but there's never really a right time to have a baby. But I just know for me that it's just not now. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you know your but, own mind and your own body, don't you? You absolutely do. Yeah. And also, we should make it clear to listeners, you you are awaiting surgery. You are on the waiting list for that. So there are other things that are more of a priority right now. Just tell our audience about that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted, I'm going to have preventive uh, double mastectomy. Um, I am on the waiting list. It was going to happen this year, but I started a new job, changed career um so you know think you can make changes and you can still live your life but so I made a career change um so I've we pushed the surgery date back to January next year um and I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way first um I wanted to do it while I had no children to look after while it was just me I could be selfish and sit on the sofa and watch tv all day and you know and, and it is it's is huge but um, yeah, so surgery is next year, and there's lots of different surgery options that you can choose from. Um, and I have chosen to have an implant surgery. Um, so yeah, it's all. I think it's weird as well because it's kind of you know you push the surgery date back, but also there's that anxiety there that builds up the more time you have to sit and think about it. But mm-hmm. I think as soon as I knew that it was an option for me, I knew that that decision was for me again like it's a massive one to make and not one that everyone can kind of make lightly but I'm quite a decisive person and once I set my mind to something like that's it I'm my mum would probably say I'm quite stubborn but what you know I just knew from the get-go that that was for me Mm. um so yeah
1: I I've said on previous series of this podcast that the worst thing for me about going through breast cancer was actually losing my hair not losing a breast in your case daryl you have an anxiety about your nipples don't you huge
4: i cried my boyfriend and i went to a restaurant one night and it was you know i think i was feeling overwhelmed it was it was a lot i don't really they say you kind of you know patch out sort of um trauma so don't massively like remember masses of it because there was a lot of stuff going off my mum with with chemotherapy in the time so but I remember sat in a restaurant and with my boyfriend and I cried over I was eating my food and crying at the same time over my nipples which is (laughs) when you look back now just so ridiculous but at the time it was just it was such a huge thing and and it was kind of there's the debate whether you keep your nipples when you have a preventative surgery or, or not. And I was kind of like, you know, what are the risks? And weirdly, it, was, it wasn't it was the boobs for me. It was just the nipples. Like mm. I just, I'm really quite attached to them. And I just, I don't know, I just didn't feel like me without them. And so was, it was it the, of-
1: just to explain why why it was an issue, why you didn't just go, yeah, I'm going to keep them. Because there's a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage risk of breast cancer reoccurring in the nipple. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, so I think it's about two to three percent um, risk. So it's kind of you weigh up whether you know you're having this massive surgery to have your breasts off, but are you increasing that risk that little bit more mm. by keeping your nipples? And it was a real massive debate for me, and and I just I didn't really know what the right thing to do was. But I just think again, like my gut was telling me that I needed to keep mine. So that's exactly what I've decided to do. And, you know, it's not a decision that everyone, you know, people decide to just have them off. But for me, I just, I would really like to keep them.
1: Fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. And those percentages are obviously absolutely relevant to your own case because there could be other factors at play as well. It's interesting to hear you talk about percentages because quite a bit of cancer is about percentages. You know, what's the chance of me getting this if I have that? What's the chance of it reoccurring if I don't have that? And that 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 can be brutal, I found, but also it can be reassuring. If I do this, this, and this, and this, it actually reduces the risk of it coming back by whatever percentage.
0: Does anybody relate to that? Yeah, I was told um, my cancer will come back in my ovaries and my fallopian. Fl- fl- I can't even say it now. Fallopian. Fallopian tube. My girls are here to, you know. <laughs> um so um, I did, I think I, I had to have that, sur- I did have that surgery because um, th- they call ovary cancer the silent killer. So I feel like it was another thing that was added to my list of stuff. Not only do I go through this and that and then I had to have another operation and then it was just felt like and that's when I found out um, that my mum hadn't told me she had her um, cancer back the third time.
1: Because you were going through. Because I was going,
0: going through, through it, so yeah. she protected me, and then I didn't know Benicia was going for test and was diagnosed with cancer. Because her dad and she protected me because I was spending time with my mum because she was um, very sick at the time and she didn't have long to go. So I think they wanted me to spend that quality time with my mum without interrupting.
1: So just just to be clear, if I may, Pam, your mum was dying of cancer. It had come back for a third time. You were going through breast cancer treatment yourself. Yeah. Benicia, you had had the blood test.
2: Yeah, and and I was diagnosed as well in June, early June.
1: And you were diagnosed with breast cancer.
2: Yeah, breast cancer, yeah.
1: And this is all going on in your family at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that is a lot.
0: When you say it like that, you realise it's a lot, but Mm. at the time... You just put one foot in front of the other, and you just deal with it. Mm. You don't really have time to think. It's really—I don't know. It's hard to explain. It doesn't really. Um, I think Benicia was right. I hadn't processed processed it, and I think I just let it be. And I just—you know—in life, you just think, right? That's an—it's like a, another terrible sandwich. You know, you just—you like brush it under the carpet and you just keep going and keep mm-hmm. going and keep going Sorry, um, it's like another terrible sandwich No, no, shit. I think i trying <laughs> to be I didn't know whether you I could say sh- sh- You don't mean, sh- sh- oh shit, sh- oh sorry I, know. I, I don't know thinking. whether I could say a shit sandwich Of course you can, <laughs> oh my god! I understand now <laughs> <I'm> thinking, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like, it's Like a, a bit of mouldy cheese and some rubbish yeah, ham so Is that oh, what you mean? It just you mean a like, shit sandwich, yeah, yeah It just <laughs> felt like
0: it was another shit sandwich and I didn't know whether I was allowed to say that on radio or not Perm
1: we say whatever we want on this oh, okay. podcast, I'm telling you. Well,
0: I just felt like the sandwich just kept getting shittier and shittier. <laughs> right. And um, and then in the end, um, I think what really helped me was um, Benicia dragged me. Because, you know, when you're in lockdown, you don't have anything. And my husband had to drop me off, couldn't come into the hospital. So you're doing all the chemo and I had so many side effects. And there was times when I was so sick because the girls came home. She wasn't and sick because of us, I feel like. she <laughs> no, 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 I understand that. <laughs> yeah, and um, I felt like it was, um, it just kept going. And you think, and then, like, one of my, my, my aunt died just a few years before, my favourite aunt, you know. And she was my, you know, from the age of seven till the age of when I grew up, she helped me through everything in my life. Because my mum was always busy. She was there, but she was always busy. And um, so I feel like um, now I feel, I don't know, I've lost my thread there. Sorry. It's, yeah, I'm going to say it's chemo brain, but I don't know whether it is or not. But I feel like sometimes my brain goes off on tangent. You that's know, totally, I can't really yeah. sort of think totally fine yeah. what I'm totally saying immutable. next. But
2: yeah. it, it was a lot.
0: It yeah. was a lot. And then Benicia, oh, that's it. Benicia says, oh, look, there's this place I've It's really nice. You'd like it. And I I just thought, nah. And she goes, come on, Mum, let's go. So we went to a place called Future Dreams. And I remember entering and I felt very overwhelmed. And I'm not going to say it was easy. I felt like crying. I know it sounds really odd. I entered and I was so emotionally upset. And I couldn't understand why. I thought, God, it's just a building, it's just a place. But. It was such a lovely place. Everyone was so kind, like Cass, who was at the... And then I went to Amanda's Coffee morning, and then there was Sam and Lisa. And then I met the most amazing... I call her our third daughter. We adopt her as our daughter. Her name is Saoirse. Mm-hmm. And she told me how to use the cappuccino machine. I know it sounds really <laughs> silly, but it's a basic thing that I've never learned and you know her patient and her saying, "Oh do you need a coffee today? Do, would you like something?" She just made me feel so loved and cared for and um, and then I couldn't stop going <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I'm, I'm going to draw our conversation to a close if I may and thank you all for being so amazing. Um, you're all coming from different perspectives obviously, but I always ask our guests for their advice to those listening who might be going through or experiencing some similar scenarios or emotions. Daryl, what would your advice be to people?
4: I just think you have to trust your gut. And I just think you have to make the decisions for you, not necessarily out of fear. And I, you know, the world does throw you curveballs, but I just think there's always light somewhere, and there's always those silver linings. Um, and sometimes sometimes life isn't easy, and it always takes you down different paths. And I think there there's positives to pull out of everything.
2: Yeah, I would say it's important to be your own health advocate. So if something doesn't feel normal to you, and if something feels wrong, make sure that you persist. And I would actually encourage people to, you know, get tested if you do have, you know, cancer in your family, it's quite prevalent. I would say get tested because for me, it saved my life. So, yeah, that's what I would and say. And how
1: how are you now?
2: Um, I finished my chemo. I'm about to start my radiation next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because my cancer is hormone driven, I will then be on different medicine and drugs for the next, what, 10 years. Yeah. Um, but actually, I'm feeling quite good. went to meditation yesterday, so I'm feeling... More zen than usual. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah.
3: Cash? I guess mine is a general thing, seeing three different family members go through something quite difficult. I would say, like, how you feel today isn't how you feel tomorrow. And I think having that aspect, like, every single day will be a bit different, even if you feel like today is your darkest day and it's you leave the house and it's raining and you miss your train and, you know, you, you're not liking work. All of those things will change how you feel about it tomorrow. And just having that kind of foresight, I think, helps get through day to day. Thank you.
0: I would say, yeah, go by your gut, like's already been said. And also, it's it's okay, you know, we're all afraid. Nobody knows what the future holds. So I think, you know, for me, I think make the most of every day. And um, remember, you are so loved and you have people around you who love you so much and they're there. Just reach out if you need them. Ask them. Don't be afraid to ask. And that's the biggest thing, I think. I'm not an asker and I don't ask but I think it's okay to say I mm-hmm. need your help and maybe don't
3: free, be afraid to tell them what the BRCA gene is because it's unknown yeah. and that's one of the questions you asked about at the beginning Yeah, a yeah. lot of people just don't know about that's it that's true yeah that's we very don't true.
0: Am my oncologist um, I don't know she's in Canada her name is Dr. Schenker but she was amazing she wrote so many letters she made sure my girls were tested and really I feel like she saved my daughter Benicia's life
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, all of you. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank Thank you. you, Thank you.
1: Thank you, Cash. Thank you. Benicia, well done. Daryl, thank you so much for joining us from work. We appreciate it, and we appreciate your colleagues leaving you in peace to chat so openly with us. And that's it for this episode from Series 3 of our podcast. There are plenty of other episodes out there from wherever you usually get your pods. If there is a particular subject... Or a story you think we should cover, please do let us know via our website or on socials. Future Dreams is on Instagram. I am, and then came breast cancer is brought to you by the Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity, which provides practical, emotional, and psychological support for anyone diagnosed with the disease. And it is a factory original and six foot six production. <laughs>
0: Our podcast is intended to be a message of support for everyone who has been touched by breast cancer, and that's why our guests share their personal and unique stories with you. They express their personal opinions, which don't necessarily reflect those of future dreams or our sponsors. Our guests' individual stories do not constitute medical advice and shouldn't be treated in any way as a substitute for professional expertise or a consultation with healthcare professionals. This podcast is not offering to treat your cancer – but it is trying to help by talking about it. So hopefully you realise that you are not alone.